0: Let's just pray together for the word today. And I just, I'm so glad you're all here. I consider it an honor and a privilege to be here. Like, just to, this is just awesome. I'm so glad you're all here. And I'm talking now just to you. My heartfelt prayer is if anybody here doesn't know Jesus, that you would leave with Jesus. My heartfelt prayer is if anybody's here is depressed, that they would leave with joy. My heartfelt prayer is if there are some dreams in your life that have died, that they would be revived today. My heartfelt prayer is that if you're supposed to be in some kind of ministry and you're not, that today it would be ignited again. My heartfelt prayer is if you're single today, you'll find a mate. I saw a double pump like this. (laughs) All right, listen, I forgot to do the singles announcement. So all the single ladies, if you would stand up so we know who you are, stand up, single ladies. (laughs) Stand up. Wait, stand up. Go right ahead. Go ahead. Let them know. Let them know who you are. Let them know. Let them know. All right. All right. Now for the, for the gold award, all you single men, stand up right now. Single men, stand up. Come on. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Let's go. Come on. Come on. Guys, guys, see me after service. I'll be your manager. Because you are worth your weight in gold. Amen. (laughs) Ladies were like, one, two, three. I don't know, maybe. (laughs) Praise God. Hey, Amen. amen. You want a godly spouse. Preferably with an inheritance or rich or something. Amen? Amen. That knows the Lord. What's wrong with that? Nothing. Praise God. Look what she got. Actually, I was I was broke and I didn't know Jesus when you first met me. Amen. You helped me, honey. Yesterday was our 28th wedding anniversary. You're welcome. Everybody always says to the wife, yeah, it's amazing you put up with them for 28 years. What about me? Give me some credit. You think it's easy to live with somebody that's happy all the time? It's horrible. I think that's easy, right? Everybody's like, oh, she's so happy. I know. makes you feel bad that you're not always happy. But then if you live with somebody who's depressed all the time, it's worse. What's worse? I don't even know. But (laughs) we're going to get into the word right now. Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you as I prayed before God that if anyone here doesn't know Jesus Christ, like the two men this morning, they would give their heart to you today. Pray if anyone came here sick in their body, depressed, under uh, attack, financial troubles, uh, marriages that might be close to being over, uh, negative thoughts, we pray that they would leave with your word today. And Father, I'd like to add this prayer that Eli Manning and the New York Giants could take down the evil empire this afternoon. Stop the spread of evil. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. A couple of Dallas fans just left. You should because you're done. Praise God. <laughs> Let's turn to Luke chapter 8. Hallelujah. Last week I left off with, we had a little skit up here. and uh, We showed you Jesus wearing the Talit. This is the Talit. It's a prayer shawl. We know that in Numbers that God told Moses to tell all the Jews to wear an outfit that had fringes on it. These are the fringes these are the corners, the kanaf, said that the son of righteousness in Malachi would rise up with healing in his wings, in his kanaf. And um, as I was telling you last week, you know, as Jews, and I'm, uh, my mom's Jewish, so that makes me Jewish. You're Jewish by, through your mom. My dad's Italian, my mother's Jewish. It was a very calm home. Um, <laughs> that's right, you left, right? How many of you got a little Italian or Jewish in you? You know get a little emotional, just a little head, tiny bit. <laughs> and um, we believe in numbers. Numbers is something I've always just, numbers have always been something. That's why I worked on Wall Street. It's always been something in my head. Uh, when people were talking, I was always counting how many syllables they were talking. But uh, I, I'm a little weird. Um, but the tzitzit, the number represented in the Hebrew Uh, because all words add up to numbers, uh, is 600. And then you have five knots. They're tied in five knots. And then you have eight strands or strings. So you come up with 613. And those are the 613 commandments that are in the Torah. So every Jew knew that when you're looking at this, it's a representation of God's word, of his promises. So, you know, the woman with the issue of blood, she saw... Jesus, she saw his garment and it says that she reached for this. She reached for his word. And we know that David cut this corner off of Saul and we know that Boaz let roof under the shadow of his wing. That was was authority. So this is talking about the authority of God's word. We have eight strings here. Seven of them are white. One is blue. And the blue one, Back then, they didn't just make colors. (laughs) They weren't just able to make dyes. Blue was actually almost impossible to get. The only place they could get it was literally from a snail. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine right now, like, you go shopping, you go to Macy's, and it's like, I want a blue dress. And then they go in the back, and they start taking snails and draining the dye out of their bodies. It took thousands of snails to make one blue thread. So what the Jews did is they would always, if somebody got sick, they would wrap them, and sometimes you might have been to a messianic service, and someone was sick, and they would wrap them in the prayer shawl. But the Jews, if you were sick, they would wrap you in the prayer shawl. And if you died, they would bury you in the prayer shawl. But the one thing that they would do is they would take the blue thread out before they buried you. Why? Because it was so valuable, and they wanted to keep it in the family. That's why the blue there represents value or authority. It was only worn by you know it was it was kingly it was priestly it was almost purple to show the authority and, and you know what authority there's there's value to authority because authority is something that you must work for you know people just want to be made king they don't want to work their way up they don't want to submit see no one can have authority until they've understand how to be a servant jesus said a, a person who's really in authority has to be a servant first When I got saved, it wasn't like, okay, you're a pastor. No, 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 no. I was just a a (laughs) churchgoer. Then I was an usher. Then I was a greeter. Then I was a janitor. And I set up the sound. I paid the price to be where I am. And you'll pay the price for authority. You just will. David paid a price, even though he was anointed as a king. It wasn't for 13 years that he became a king. And he submitted to the authority of an evil man. See, there's a price to be paid for authority. But here, last week, we left off with this woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years. In other words, she was bleeding without stopping for 12 years. There's seven things I want you to see about the authority of God's word through this passage. The first one is this. God's word and the authority of it stops the bleeding. Stops the bleeding. Listen to me. Sin is will suck the life out of you. How many of us here have sinned in our life? Sin means you missed the mark. Everybody. There's nobody here that's perfect, as as much as sometimes I think you are. (laughs) But um, sin is like you're bleeding. And guess what happens when you start bleeding if the bleeding doesn't stop? You die. And in the word it says, if, if you don't do something about your sin, you will die in your sins. Putting your faith and trust in the word. Who's the word? Jesus is the word. Psalm 107.20 says he sent his word, Jesus, to heal them, to heal us from our sin disease. And she's a picture. She was on the outside looking in. She was most likely a Gentile. But she reached in and she grabbed at the hem of Jesus' garment while he was heading to save a daughter of Israel. And then when she touched him, it says the bleeding stopped. And you know what he called her? The girl that was on the outside looking in, he called her daughter. And that's a picture of this. Jesus came for the Jews. Jairus was a Jewish leader. He came to go to the Jews, but on his way, a Gentile reached out for the blessing. See, as Gentiles, the Gentiles have stolen the blessing that is meant for the Jews, but that doesn't mean that one day God won't make it to to the Jews. He will, all right, because the delay isn't a denial. Amen? But she reached out, and she touched, and it says the bleeding stopped. Now I'm talking about here that people who don't know Jesus and they will eventually die in their sins without a covering for their sins, without a savior for their sins. But there are Christians here that are bleeding today. There are Christian marriages here that are bleeding. There are relationships that are bleeding. There are finances that are bleeding. There are bodies that are bleeding. There are things going on in people's minds and they're bleeding. They're bleeding in insecurity. They're bleeding in unforgiveness. And if something isn't done, you will bleed out. See, because life is in the blood. Life is in the blood. So the first thing I want you to see today is if you reach out for the authority of God's word, you can stop the bleeding. There has to be a time. There has to be a time when you reach out for Jesus. There has to be a time when you put your faith and trust in what he did. Amen? Because none of us can do it. None of us can do it. He'll stop the bleeding. Hallelujah. The second thing I want you to see is in Luke chapter 8, verses 49 and 50. Put that up. So why Jesus was speaking, he was speaking to the woman. He said, daughter, your faith has made you well. It has stopped the bleeding in your life. And while he was talking to her, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying, your daughter's dead, don't bother the teacher anymore. There's always going to be a someone. There's always going to be a someone who says it's too late. you know uh, <laughs> we knew a couple in our church years ago and they ended up leaving our church, but we still prayed for them, loved them and um, we heard through the grapevine. I was saying this morning what is how do you hear through a grapevine I know what does that mean? But (laughs) I guess it's just Gladys Knight made that up and we all believe that. But um, heard it through the grapevine that that they were getting a divorce and they were going to sell their house. These were friends of ours. These were people who were under our care for a very short time. They were sort of in and out of different churches, but we knew of them and we loved them and we heard about that. And uh, we'll interfere with you. Yeah, we will. My wife and I will interfere. We met with three different couples this week. We'll interfere. Oh, yeah. hmm We'll come to your house. We'll knock on your door when you don't want us there. Oh, we'll do it. So Alicia was like, we're doing something. I go, okay, we're doing something. What are we doing? <laughs> we're doing something. We're, I don't, what are we doing? So we said, we're going to their house on Friday night. We knew since they're going to get divorced, they're not going out on Friday night anymore. So. We went to their house at like 7 o'clock, just knocked on the door. They opened the door. And my wife went, and they were like, hi. And I went like this behind my wife. I'm like, you don't know what's about to hit you. <laughs> we didn't leave till 12:31 in the morning. The house was already up for sale, already a contract on it. They were gonna have three kids. They were gonna get divorced. They're still together this day. Because we spent five hours. Yeah. You know why? Because it's never too late. It's never too late. I don't care what anybody says. We had a gentleman here in 2003. He was working on one of my houses in New Brunswick, and I went to see him before he started the job. He was way as a ghost. He said, I have stage four cancer. I said, you need to come to church so the people there can pray for you. We pray for him. We pray for him. We pray for him. We pray for him. We see him every once in a while. He comes here to visit. It's never too late. It's never too late. I don't care what someone says. Jesus said, don't be afraid. She will be made well. See, it's not what we see or what we think. It's what he says. And guess what? It ain't over till he says it is. I'm going to let all the fat ladies off the hook. It ain't over till Jesus says it's over. <laughs> Number three, his word says, don't listen to the mourners, the doubters, and the haters. It doesn't matter what people say. A different angle on this passage from Matthew chapter 9, verse 23. Same story, but different angle from a different gospel writer. When Jesus came into the ruler's house. So, he's on his way to Jairus' house. The name Jairus actually means enlightened. Jairus got enlightened to who the real Messiah was through this story. But, um... So he came to the ruler's house, and there were flute players there. How many of you play the flute here? Really? Wait, raise those hands again. Hi. Is there any more? One flute player. Honey, you used to play the flute. Not very good. <laughs> Can you see you going to a funeral and somebody that's playing the flute? Oh, do, 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 do. And they got a noisy crowd of wailing. Let me hear you wail really loud. Ah. Come on, let me hear you wail. Can anybody hear wail? Oh, you wail when you're home and you're sick. Honey! Ah. How many of you guys wail when you get sick? I do. It's the only way I get chicken soup. I go, Alicia! You don't know. Oh, it's so bad. Oh, thanks for the soup, honey. <laughs> Never wailed. <laughs> so they're wailing, right? And you know what? In those days, if you didn't have anybody to wail, you paid people to wail. It's true. Listen, Jews are smart. <laughs> if I got nobody that cares about this funeral, I'm gonna pay some people to come. You ever go to like one of these funerals? There's nobody there. You pay for people, get some people here. We need some people to wail here, we need some flute players. We need some music. We we need people to go, oh, God, it's so sad. How many of you have friends that are whale with you? Come on now. Come on, raise your hand. You know what I'm talking about. Hello? You don't know how bad it is. Oh, yes, I do. I'm married too. It's so bad. (laughs) I got this back pain. Oh, everybody, everybody. How many of you have ever had back pain? You guys got so many friends. My, my wife had like a month and a half of back pain. I found out the whole world's got back pain. You know what I mean? Oh, I know what you mean. Yes, it's so bad. It's worse than anything. It's like kidney stone, people. Anybody here have a kidney stone? You know what I'm talking about, amen? It's harder than giving birth, amen? Not that I know anything about giving birth, but but we have people, you know, you're not raising your hand, but you commiserate with people. You do. They call, you, you know, people call you, you play music for them. I know. Do, 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 do. So they had people to cry with. But look what happens Jesus comes, says the girl's not dead. She's sleeping, and the same people that are crying with him are ridiculing him now. And doesn't that happen in your life? There are people that'll moan and groan with you, but then when you say, God gave me a word that I'm going to be healed. I heard something in church yesterday. Oh, give me a break. The same people that were pitying with you are now ridiculing you because you're saying something that doesn't make sense. But that's God. God doesn't make sense. He's got the authority to do whatever he wants. Guess what? If God says today is Tuesday, guess what day it is? You want to argue with him? His authority word, that's the truth. That is the truth. I can think of this, own, this, this situation in my own life. If you don't know, if you're visiting with us today, I, uh, I dropped out of high school in the ninth grade. I never went back to school, never really liked school. I went to Rikers Island. Um, that was the school where I learned. Rikers Island, the 120 precinct, the 122 precinct, that's where I learned. That's where I grew up. Um, but then I got saved from a life. Of I was also a drug dealer. I was a burglar, all these things. I got saved from that. And uh, I met Jesus, and I said, "Jesus, I need a job." <laughs> Jesus, I need a job. Jesus told me, "Go to Wall Street. You're good with numbers. Go find a job there. Whatever you got to do, just do it there." Okay, so I went there. I got a job in the basement of a bank. I was counting stock there, and eventually, some guy I hadn't talked to in ages called me up, and said, "Do you want a job on the trading floor?" Took the job on the trading floor. Then I got—I was doing good on the trading floor. I was really good with numbers, you know. When you're a drug dealer, you have to be good with numbers. Or you won't stay in business. So I was really good with numbers. I knew how to buy and sell. Buy and sell. Buy here, sell here. Buy here, sell here. I knew how to I was a trader really all the time. I just didn't know it. Um, I was just dealing in commodities that weren't approved by the governing bodies. So... What happened? I wanted to become a trader on the trading floor. You know, I was in the oil pits. I don't know if anybody knows what that is, but it's like a pit. Yes, you do know, Monique. You used to work down there. Crazy place, isn't it? Um, but I was—I wanted to be—I wanted to be a trader. I was just a clerk. I was just running around for people. I hate running around for people because, like, I was supposed to be working there. And then once in a while, somebody would say, "Go get my dry cleaners." I'm like, shoot, I gotta leave here and go get this guy's dry cleaner. You know, but you do what you got to do. You submit to the authority. You submit to who's in front of you. Hey, you do what you got to do. So I got his dry cleaning. I rubbed it in the ground and then took it in. <laughs> a little rub. I like what you do to my hamburger when you're mad at me. And I'm not looking. I see you do it. I, I've seen it. When you're mad at your husband, do you ever drop some food on the floor and just give it a little rub <laughs> and then put it? Yeah, you're laughing because you did it. You've done it. And then your husband's eating it. It's like, there's like sand in here. It's it's crunchy. What is that, hon? Oh, peppercorns. It's peppercorns. No, it's not. That's kitchen dirt. Anyway, (laughs) so I'm there and and (laughs) I'm there. So I have to go before this board at the New York Mercantile Exchange. I had to go before this board of 12 guys. Anybody here ever have to go before a board? It's so boring at the board. There's people sitting there like, you know, what their religious glasses on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Looking to judge you or something, right? So I'm sitting before this board so I can become a member of this exchange. So it is like, I don't know, 8, 10, 12. I don't know how many guys there, you know. And I'm sitting there, and then they have this, they do a background check. And have you ever get a background check done on you? Any of you were ever scared when they did the background check on you? And, and, and did you ever read it, and they reminded you of stuff you forgot that you did? Yeah. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. So I'm there, and the guys, they're looking through. Some of the guys are laughing. <laughs> Some of the guys are like, what? And there was this one guy directly across me. He was just going like this. He was just shaking his head no. I'm like, what does all this mean? Oh, it means no. <laughs> That's what it means. One by one, the, the first couple of guys that knew me that didn't really know me, they were laughing. They couldn't believe what they were looking at because it was like this thick. And, and the first couple of pages were like he worked at a pizzeria, we think, somewhere in New York. And the rest of it was moving violations. Do you know what moving violations are? They're violations that when you're moving, you, you violated something. Not you, in your car. Anybody know? Any of you ever get a moving violation? I was one of the top ten scofflaws in New York. Yeah, yep. So they were the guy directly across. He was the chairman of the exchange. He's on CNBC every other day because I'm not. So I'm not going to mention his name. <laughs> he looked at me and he. They went around and it got to him and he just looked. He took off. You know when somebody's talking, they take off their glasses. You know it's going, Oh shoot put the glasses back on. No, please. I know you can see me. He took the glasses off and he said, as long as I'm a member of this board, you will never be a member of this exchange. He said something like, you're a disgrace, all this other stuff. I was, oh, my heart just fell. It just fell. So when I was out of there, it was like, wow, is this God thing going to work? Is this thing real? Like all this stuff? Because I just got saved. You know, we just got married. I'm like, okay, you're supposed to take care of me, God. This is all supposed to work out now. You know, I'm following you. I'm not going to Studio 54 anymore. I'm going to church. We dance a little bit there, but nothing's bad, you know? Like, you're going to take, you're going to, and, and I went to the Book of John. I liked the Book of John. It was very simple. I stayed, Book of John, right here, Book of John, Book of John, Book of John. It said, if you pray and believe, you'll have what you pray. So I was like, okay, I pray, believe. I want to be a member of the New York Church. Pray, believe, pray, believe, pray, believe. So then I had to go to the Staten Island Motor Vehicles. Now, how many of you hate to go to the Motor Vehicles? Period. How about when you got to go there and get all your moving violations printed out with with printers that have little holes in the in the? How many of you go that far back? You know, I, I want to tell you, young people, something. The printers didn't used to work fast. They used to go like this: boom, 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 ch 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 boom, ch 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 boom. The papers would lay on each other. I'm in church. I can't lie. It took an hour for them to print out my moving violations. When I went to court, I had over $70,000 of moving violations. I was like, Lord Jesus. And when I had to tell Alicia, she was like, Lord Jesus. (laughs) Who did I just marry? We just got married. I forgot to tell her that one little thing, Uh, honey. I forgot. I forgot to tell you that little thing, little tiny thing, little baby thing. Seventy thousand dollars. I know. This is little, right? Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. She was selling copiers in New York for Pitney Bowes. She came home. Listen, I knew what happened. I didn't say nothing to her. She came home. It was in January. She got her bonus from selling copiers. She was making buku money. Could you go back to work? (laughs) She was making big money. She got this bonus. The bonus was (laughs) $14,500. So she comes home, honey, you know, in her mind, it's like Macy's, fortune offs, (laughs) everything that he didn't buy me. I made a big mistake at our first Christmas. I bought her like kitchen utensils. Very bad move. She almost left me over that. It was like unbelievable. What, you don't like the spatula? I got your roller too. I messed up so bad. I didn't know. Some people are right now, oh shoot, I gotta go shopping again. But the point was, I messed it up, and here it was, and I said, honey, uh, I gotta go to court for this and everything. I went to court. You know what? They they reduced it down to $14,000. So I came home and I said, "Honey, what can you buy for $500?" <laughs> she handed it right over. After I begged, <laughs> oh, she handed it right over. And but still, I didn't get. I, I wasn't. I didn't become a member right away. I had to pray. I had to fast. And so January went by. February went by. March went by. April went by. May or June—I don't remember the exact month. All of a sudden, somebody, the the one person that was like just laughing at me and ridiculing me through this whole thing, he was actually my boss. He goes like this, "Uh, you're getting in the meeting this month. And then he just walked away. I go, what did he say? So I get into the meeting, right? You're waiting out there. People go in before the board. They come out. People go in before the board. I go in. Guess who's not there? The guy. The guy sitting directly across from me is one of my close friends. And he just goes like this. And I go, yeah. To right here, baby. They went stamp, 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 stamp. You're a member of the New York Mercantile Exchange. Listen to me. Don't listen to the, dator, the, the haters or the doubters. Listen to the Lord your God. If he says she'll be made well, if he says you got a calling for your life, if he says you, your marriage can be great, if he says you could be in the ministry, if he says you could be on the exchange, if he says you could sing on the worship team, whatever he says, because there's always going to be flute players. Well, we only have one, but uh. the next one, number four, his word says, don't fear, don't react, don't be moved, only. Believe. Everybody say only. Only. Luke chapter 8, verse 49. Your daughter is dead. Don't trouble the teacher. But when Jesus heard it, he had an answer. Listen, God's got an answer for everything. No matter what it is, he's got an answer. He's got an answer. He answered and said, don't be afraid. Only believe. Can, Can we try that again? Only could you imagine how powerful our church, all, the, the overall church in the world would be is if all we did was believe? If all we did was believe. If all we did was believe. I was telling the first service, there, the one thing that hurt me when I first became a Christian, Pastor John, is when we were at a men's Bible study and we were studying Matthew chapter 13. And it said there that Jesus was in this town to do miracles. And it said he couldn't. As soon as I saw he couldn't, I was almost floored. I was like, this is blasphemy. This is a wrong Bible. It said he couldn't do many miracles in this city because of the unbelief. The unbelief literally hindered him from doing more. But our belief will enable him to do everything. (laughs) So you know what he did? He went to her house, and he said, only Peter, James, and John are coming with me. It's like, imagine we got a call from somebody who was sick in the church, and we said, okay, the whole church will be at your house tomorrow. It'd be too busy in there. And there would be some that doubted healing. There would be some that doubted what God could do. He he said, I'm bringing Peter, James, and John, and the mother and father, because I'm telling you something, when your kid's sick, you'll believe. You're, and if you don't, you'll, you'll make yourself like the man who, you know, they couldn't heal his son and he said to Jesus, help me because I don't believe. Sometimes belief comes out of desperation. Sometimes you're in a situation where the only thing you could do is believe. How many of you right now, you're in a situation that seems impossible. The only thing you can do and the only thing Jesus says to do is believe. He says, don't fear. Let me tell you something about these terrorists. Let me tell you something about them. I was in New York on 9-11. This stuff brought up some stuff in me. And I started, you know, like I said, I was like sitting there, you know, vegging out. I could have eaten seven hamburgers, watching, you know, oh, my God. And just negativity coming into my heart. And my, my daughters live in New York like, okay, come home. Let's shut it down. But somebody in France, somebody in Paris—I don't remember who—he said, "Listen, what we should, what we need to do right now, is fill every restaurant, fill every concert hall, and let them know that they're not changing our way of life." And that's what we do. Because fear is looking to paralyze people. You know, when Goliath came out, the whole nation of Israel was paralyzed for 40 days because of fear. That, that is what they're trying to do. They're trying to paralyze us. But they're not paralyzing me. I don't care. Because the worst thing that could happen to me is I could die and go to heaven. How bad is that? It's the truth. So he went in with the people that will believe. Listen to me. You need to surround yourself. If you're in a situation where you need to only believe, you need to surround yourself with people who only believe. And it we're focused on believing with you. You don't, need a, you don't need a pity prayer partner. You need a believing prayer partner. And that's why I tell our prayer team, I said, listen, I don't want you going over up there and having a pity party with somebody. If anybody here ever gets prayed over by somebody here and they give a pity party with you, you need to come to me and tell me. Because I don't want any pity parties going on at this altar. We have the authority of the word of God. We have healing. We have blessing. We have prosperity. We have marriages renewed. I don't want to hear about pity parties. The world's having a pity party. We're in the house of God. And his word is authority here. I'm not mad. Next, his word says that if you believe, if you believe, What's possible? All things are possible. Luke 8, 52. Jesus said, he said. Everybody say, he said. He said. One of my favorite songs is by a woman named Dottie Peoples. Anybody know who that is? She's the songbird of the South, man. She's got gospel all over. She put the G in gospel. I love listening to her music. She has this song called, He Said It. Oh, my God, you listen to that song, you'll fly out of your room. Because all she talks about is that he said it. He said it. He said it. We should always be saying he said it. 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 Ooh, I could do it, Dottie Peoples. He said it. <laughs> he said it. He said she's not dead. If he says she's not dead, guess what? She ain't dead. And they ridicule him knowing. Now, the word knowing you usually hear in the gospel is the word gnosko, which means knowledge or knowledge of something. That's not the word used here. It's a Greek word, e-i-d-o, which means their perception. Their perception was that she was dead. See, it doesn't matter what your eyes, your ears, or senses are telling you. What he says is the authority. And he said she's not dead. Look at Romans chapter 4. and This is the message translation. We can get the whole worship team while I'm talking right now because I like preaching with worship. It's fun. It says, Abraham was first named father. Then he became a father because he dared to trust God to do what only God could do. Raise the dead to life. With a word, everybody say, with a word. The word. Make something out of nothing. Oh, Lord Jesus. With just a word. When everything was hopeless, Abraham believed what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something. You want a you wanna, you wanna word of wisdom? You want a nugget of wisdom? Here it is. Believe anyway. Pray anyway. Trust anyway. Praise anyway. Who wrote that song? Was it Martina McBride? I don't know. She said, do it anyway. I love that song. She said, no matter what's going on, just do it anyway. Because that's sometimes, and every time, that's all you got. Believe anyway. Decided to live not on the basis of what he perceived or saw, what he couldn't do, but on what God said that he would do. And so he was made the father of a multitude of people. God himself said to him, he said to Abraham, you're going to have a big family, Abraham. Abraham didn't focus on his own impotence and say, it's hopeless. This hundred-year-old body could never father a child. Nor did he survey Sarah's decades of barrenness or infertility and give up. He didn't tiptoe around God's promise asking cautiously skeptical questions. He plunged into the promise and came up strong. Ready for God. Are you ready for God to do what he said he's going to do? Yes, yes, yes. I could see 100-year-old Abraham right now. Hey, Sarah. Sarah. Are you ready? <laughs> ready. See, belief isn't just up here. It's in action. It's getting ready to do what you thought you couldn't do, to be who you thought you couldn't be. Two more. His word has authority in the spirit realm. Luke chapter 8, verse 54. Do you know... I like to talk about uh, financial blessing. You know why? Because it's the scourge of the people of God. Money keeps them from so many things. It does. And, and the hardest thing sometimes for Christians Christian to understand is God wants to make provision for your vision. He's the one who does it. If he gives you a vision, he's going to make a way for you to carry out that vision. When Grace Church was started, I was a quarter million dollars in debt. It didn't seem like there was a way that we would ever be where we are right now, about to buy another building, about to expand our sanctuary, doubling, tripling. But you know what? He made provision for the vision. He does it. He's not going to put you in a place where he's not going to make the provision. But you have to understand where it comes from. See, so many people think you're going to pray and heaven's going to open and money is going to fall out of heaven. The only thing I think possibly fell out of heaven was gold dust. Because remember, people were like, like down in Louisiana or some crazy place like that. Not, it's not crazy. But remember like they were praying and gold dust was coming down or something? I, I mean, frankly, I, I don't want gold dust. I want gold nuggets or bars coming down. I mean, gold dust, you got to gather it all up. It's not worth anything. I mean, if you're going to bring something down, could it be gold bars? Anyway so maybe heaven opened and somebody kicked some dust down i'm not saying but here's what i'm saying in luke it says that give and it shall be given back to you men will pour into your bosom we're like looking for where is it going to come from it's going to come from people because god works in the spirit realm he will talk to people on your behalf people will give you raises and and business and they don't even know why has that ever happened to you I got promotions, I got jobs and stuff from people that didn't even like me they're probably right now saying why would I do that for him I don't even like him it's God because he works in the spirit now look what happens so he goes to the little girl that they perceive is dead and he says little girl hey little girl arise and it says the first thing that happened was her spirit returned to her. Now, the Jews believe that when someone dies, that the spirit hangs out for three days. On the fourth day, it totally leaves. That's why Lazarus, Jesus let him stay in the tomb for how many days? Four.
1: And then he called Lazarus
0: from the tomb to show them who he is. He's the father of spirits. Spirits he literally called him but this little girl she just died her spirit was still there he just said spirit and boom it popped right back into her some of you had a spirit to do some things for God some of you had a spirit in your marriage that was just it it was just wow some of you had a spirit for your career like wow some of you had a spirit for a ministry that was just like you were so excited, you knew it was from God. Your spirit was so excited about it. And somehow it's left, it's it's hovering somewhere. But you know, with one word it can change. Come back, spirit. It's funny, we sat with a couple recently who they just like they're sitting there, it's like they're two strangers. God said to me, he said, how easy it would be for me to restore this marriage. I said, God, this is nothing. If they had said that they owed a, a million dollars to somebody, I would say, wow, that's going to take some work, even though God can do it overnight. I said, God, if their minds were just transformed right now, their marriage could be great tomorrow or this minute. spoke to their spirits and say, come on, remember? You loved each other a couple weeks ago, a couple years ago. You can love each other again. It's only between here. That's the difference. This week was our anniversary, you know, and uh, my, my administrator, my personal assistant, my savior, Grace, she said to me, Pastor Joe, here, try this. Give your wife something every day for the next three days. She'll love it. Write her a note, give her flowers this day. Write her a note, give her incredible edibles the second day. I don't know if they're really called incredible edibles, but they are incredibly delicious. They're fruit things that look like a bouquet. So I did it. I did it. The first day, she was like, oh, it's so nice. <laughs> Second day, she was like, who did that? had lost the spirit of wonderment about my wife, about how beautiful she is, how much I love her, you know. But that can change like that. Instantly. See, when you speak with the authority word to the spiritual things, they can change like that. Your despair can become joy. Your insecurity can become confidence. Immediately. One word. One word. He said, spirit come. And finally, the last thing he said was, get up. He took her by the hand and he said, get up. Many people here, they're on the ground. They're floored. I'm here to tell you something. The Word of God is spirit and it is life. It is spirit and it is life it's a positive charge for your life the Lord showed me a long time ago he said he said get out your mirror and check if the Christians out there are breathing (laughs) because sometimes that's the only thing that'll let you know because they might be smiling on their face but inside they might be hurting so bad that they're about to die and he said to me that the word is like a defibrillator it's a charge and you take it and you charge that heart up to pump blood and the blood is life to pump that life again there are people whose heart is practically stopped they're not even living anymore and God said my word is like a tripulator boom I believe that Jesus got into that room. I don't believe he said, okay, little girl, time to get up. I think from the powers of his heart, he said, little girl, get up. Get up. And she got up. 12 years, she was potential. In a moment, she was almost wiped out. 12 years, the woman of wasted life. 12 years of glorious potential. Woken up, revived. He said, little girl, get up. And immediately she stood up and walked again. Some people here, your marriage needs to walk again. Your hope needs to walk again. Your vision needs to walk again. Your ministry needs to walk again. Your dreams need to walk again. Your heart needs to walk again. And it's as simple as hearing this word and responding to it. It's that simple. Do you know you can cross from death to life today by just praying a prayer? 28 years ago, I was in a church. I can't even tell you the name of the church. Somewhere in Livingston Avenue, New Brunswick. I might not even be there anymore. It doesn't matter. I had given my heart to the Lord like four times. (laughs) How many of you? (laughs) How many of you got saved five times? How many of you still, you're not sure? I was in this little church and the preacher preached the message. I don't even remember what it was. I probably didn't hear it. But I know when he said, is there anybody here that needs Jesus as their Lord and Savior? Then my ears perked up. And he said, say this prayer with me. I said the prayer. Raised my hand. I was born again. 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 Some of you have never been born again once, so this prayer is for you. If everybody would bow their heads down. I want you to be honest with yourself. If you die tonight, are you 100% sure that you would spend eternity in heaven? 100%. I'm not talking about 99.9%. I'm not talking, I'm thinking about, oh, I think I might because I'm sometimes a good person. I'm talking about, are you 100% sure That you've put your faith and trust in Jesus. Because I'm telling you this. One prayer. One word of authority from from him. And you will live forever. And his blessings will overtake you right now in this life. Now. See, I can speak the word of God with authority. When, When God said that he loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life when he said that is it true of course it is it's god so when i repeat what he said is it true of course it is because i'm just repeating what he said i'm repeating his words so i say to you right now god loved the world and gave his only begotten son jesus who died on the cross for your sins if you receive him as your savior you'll have everlasting life He didn't come in the world to condemn you, but he came to heal you, deliver you, and set you free, and bless you, and cure you. So let's say that prayer together so you can receive that in your life right now. Because what goes into your ears and into your mind will go into your heart, and then your heart can make the decision. Nobody can make the decision for your heart. A man's heart plans his way. But some people today will make a decision in their heart, like those gentlemen did this morning to make Jesus Lord of their life so say this prayer with me say Father I know that Jesus is your son I know he died on the cross for my sin three days later you raised him from the dead that I might have a new life Father I've made mistakes but I receive your son for the sacrifice for my sins Jesus come into my heart Make me new today. Amen. Every eye is closed, head is bowed, just in respect to God. If you said that prayer, you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior today. Want your life to never be the same. You want to receive every blessing He has. If you would raise your hand right now so I can see it, Raise your hand. Raise your hand up. Come on. Raise your hand. That's it. Who else? Raise your hand. All right. I want all of you people that raise your hand to stand up right now. Stand up where you are. Do it. 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 it. Now come up to the front right here. Honey, come on. Vera, please, you guys, welcome them. Come Come on up. Come on up. Come on. Come on. Come on. Welcome everybody that came up here right now. Come on now. Come on. This is why we're here. This is why we do it, do it. We want to see people receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. If you're here and you have a hand or you have a heart, if you could just reach it out to these ladies here right now. Their lives are changed from now and forevermore. Praise God. Let's just pray for them. Everybody stand up real quick. Come on. Be in agreement over these people. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we lift these souls to you in the name of Jesus. Thank you they have made a decision today that will change the rest of their lives. They will never be the same again. They have made you their Lord and their Savior. You will never leave them nor forsake. Father, we pray that they would get plugged into a beautiful church like Grace Church. Plugged into your power. And that they would achieve everything that you've called them to. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Right now, I want to say a prayer over some of you here today. You heard from God today. And there's some things in your life that need to be revived. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your financial situation. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's just your own heart. Maybe you feel empty. Maybe you've there's a decision you need to make, or maybe there's unforgiveness in your heart that God needs to speak to. If that's you, I need you to come up front here real quick, real quick so I can pray for you. I want to pray for every one of you that needs revival in your heart and in your life. Come on up. These people from all over you who are going to come up right now, I'm going to pray for you. Revival in your spiritual life, revival in your ministry, revival in your heart, Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now. There's so many people here that need this. There are so many that need this. I'm going to pray for you. And then if you want individual prayer, I need everybody to listen to me. If you need individual prayer, stay up here and we'll pray for you. But as the pastor of this house, of this church. I am gonna speak an authoritative blessing over your life. Because this word is in me, this word is on me, this word is all over me. I truly believe. Listen to me. Jesus took the defibrillator to me when I was 40 he took it to me yesterday it's never too early it's never too late for revival in your hearts so I want everybody here just to if, if you if you if you lift your hands lift your hands you don't have to but if that's something you do just worship with our worship team right now for the moment because we want to we want to you know what worship does? It breaks up the ground of your heart. So just start to sing. Just if you've never put your hands up, at least just don't hold your hands together. Just, just put your hands apart for a second. Just receive. Come on now, don't be tight. Come on, don't be tight. Say, okay, God, whatever it is, I'll take it. Yeah, now we start to sing. Come on. To worship. Come on, we need to worship.